Joshua chapter 3. Beginning with verse 14. Joshua is the sixth book of your Bible, so just go to the beginning and go to the right six books. The context is the children of Israel were delivered from slavery through the intervention of God and the leadership of a man named Moses who led them to freedom in the wilderness. But they wound up, because of their unbelief, wandering around in the wilderness, not inheriting their promise for 40 years. And then it was time for Moses to depart, go home. He was about 120 years old. And Joshua, a young courageous guy, younger than Moses, took his place. And so the book of Joshua opens with the passing of this baton, and Joshua begins to lead them into the promised land. And so the context of our passage reading today is they have approached the banks of the Jordan River. They're going to cross it and go into the land that is now known as Israel. Verse 14. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan, which is a river similar to the Brazos, when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the river, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. So it was at its highest. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still. And so the waters coming from Galilee stopped and rose in a heap very far away from Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the salt sea that is a dead sea, failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. So unlike the parting of the waters of the Red Sea, where the children of Israel had a wall of water on either side of them. God sent a mighty wind and parted those waters and dried the land, and they walked across the Red Sea that were parted on either side. This was a river, and it simply dammed up the river on one side, and the rest of the river flowed down into the Salt Sea, and they walked across on dry ground. Then the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, this is the box they carried on their shoulders that was a very important piece of furniture in their worship, stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan River, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Chapter 4, next verse. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe. All right, there were twelve tribes. I command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. So they are to pick up these stones and carry them until they make camp some distance from the river. Because this is over a million folks, so they had to get away from the river bank. So they carry these stones, and they were going to create a monument to this event at their campsite. All right, verse 4. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of 
of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Verse 7, Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Can we say memorial forever? Verse 8, And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Verse 9, Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan. These are different stones. You'll see it in a minute. In the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. So they were to take 12 big rocks out of the middle of the Jordan and take them to where they were going to camp and set up a monument there. And then Joshua himself had 12 stones set up in the middle of the Jordan where the priests stood while the waters were parted. All right, let's skip to verse 15. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the Ark of the Testimony to come up from the Jordan. So all this time the waters have been stopped, dammed up. Verse 17, Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Verse 19, Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us today from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you today on a subject entitled, Relating Our Testimonies. Can we say that together? Elder Greg Harrell spoke to us last Sunday on the importance of remembering our testimonies. It's important to remember. So building on the foundation he laid, we're continuing today on the importance of relating our testimonies. All right, these two piles of rocks pointed to two things. They pointed to the parting of the waters of the Red Sea, which was the beginning of their deliverance, and the parting of the waters, or the stopping up of the waters of the Jordan, which was the beginning of their inheritance. Between these two victories, a whole lot of problems. You know, the life of following God is from peak to peak. From glory to glory. Hallelujah. But sometimes between those glories like mountains, is a valley. Somebody said, 
Between the glories can be lots of gories. Bishop Garlington preached for us earlier this year. And he said many times in the Christian life, we are living in transition from glory to glory. He said, the glories are great, but it's hell in the hallway. And so it's important when the glory comes to pass, when the testimony is final, you know, there's no testimony without a test. So when the test has been passed, the victory has been secured, it's important to remember it and not to forget. Would you agree? How quickly we forget. As Greg exhorted us last Sunday, it's important not to forget the good things the Lord has done. We must remember our testimonies. We must remember them. But not only must we remember them, we need to relate them. We need to pass them on to the next generation. When the children of their fathers in years to come look at these piles of rocks and say, what are these? You'll be able to say, let me tell you a story. Sit down. And pass on the glorious thing God has done from generation to generation. When we worship, we celebrate the great things He's done and the great things He's going to do in the midst of the hell that we may be going through. Amen? If you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep on going. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of God. Jesus said that, so I'm not up here cussing. The importance of relating our testimonies is what I'm going to talk about. But right now, I just want to play a little game. Name that means of communication. All right? So we have a little interaction. I've got like five slides here. What is this symbolic of? Snail mail, somebody said. You can mail stuff all over the world. It's amazing how it works. Just stick something on this envelope, put it in this box, and it goes... Can we show our appreciation for our male persons? Man, just grateful for a trustworthy mail system. All right, what is this symbolic of? You remember the day of cassettes? Who still has a cassette player? Still do. The neat thing about them is they record. It's important as things happen to record them. Record them. The graveyard is filled with unrelated testimonies. People died without sharing their stories with future generations. If your parents are still alive, can you raise your hand? This year, please, don't let this year pass without getting some means of, commu of communication or recording in their hands, getting away from our game. And just get them talking. If you don't, you're going to be sorry. What is this? Telephone. What is this? Who, who said tell a woman? All right, this is, this is tell a man. All right, enough games. Relating our testimonies. The importance of relating our testimonies. Relating our testimonies helps us teach the generations to come. You and I are here because somebody taught somebody who taught somebody who taught somebody who taught us. 
This is why children's ministry is so important. We're helping continue the legacy of Christ. Oh, but Jesus is coming back next year. Oh, really? Well, if He doesn't, please get involved in teaching the next generation. If He does, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good luck on getting a reward, though, for being involved in children's ministry when you get there. So, All right. Relating our testimonies helps us remember what God has done. How quickly we can forget. History tends to repeat itself because humanity tends to forget its lessons. George Bernard Shaw said, If history repeats itself and the unexpected always happens, how incapable must man be of learning from experience? Who hates to learn the same thing you already learned? How many times we got to learn that God is trustworthy before we trust Him? Karl Marx said, history repeats itself. First as tragedy, second as a farce. Clarence Darrow said, history repeats itself, and that's one of the things that's wrong with history. Today, I want to go down in history as saying, history repeats itself because it's not successfully related to future generations. Experience is the best teacher, but in reality, the experienced should be the best teachers. So let your light shine to whoever will listen for the glorious things God can do and has done in your life. Christianity is a religion where we are commanded to remember. You know, when you remember something, you don't think of it as an act of obedience, but it really is. It's an act of obedience. We're commanded to remember the things God has done. Relating and remembering was the purpose for these two stacks of stones. What was the significance of a stack of stones under the water in Jordan? Some have surmised, oh, maybe he put them up on the river bank, and but because the waters were overflowed, when it came back down to normal river height, you know, when the flood season was over, they actually were on dry land. History says that, in fact, in the, it's there in the Old Testament. Israel stopped remembering. I think if the stones were always below the surface of the water, they were there so man couldn't mess with them. Somebody couldn't come take them to build a house with them. Wouldn't it be awesome if they were there to this day? You know, there are some testimonies you can't exactly make public. You and I have some secret testimonies. We don't need to forget them. Or allow shame, Jesus came to take our shame away, to make pipsqueaks out of us. But keep them in your arsenal. They're there to encourage somebody with. Relating our testimonies helps us utilize our memories for good. Many times as humans, we are remembering what we should forget and we're forgetting what we should be remembering. It's true. Relating our testimonies helps us remember as I share something good that God has done, the sound of my own voice helps keep the memory alive. It's important in marriage to talk about the early days of your marriage. How you found each other. How much you appreciate each other. I appreciate you. Example. I love to tell Yvette about our wedding day. We did our vows. We had the wedding in the church. 
And then we got in the car. It was an American car. They are big over there. It's like a limo compared to what the other things they had. So we're riding in the back of our limo. And the thought hits me, my God, what have you done? And so I began to think. I began to think, all right, if I hadn't done this, then it would mean I would live without a relationship with this person. Could I live the rest of my life without a vet? The answer certainly came. I couldn't. Man, if I didn't marry her and I married somebody else, I'd always be thinking about her. It wouldn't be good. I was a little concerned. Am I going to be getting hit with thoughts like this quite often? But no, I didn't. Peace came and it's been there ever since. That's one lie the devil couldn't tell Adam. You married the wrong person. No, he couldn't do it. Relating our testimonies to one another helps us utilize our memories for good. We should be testifying whoever will listen in whatever means possible. Maybe you're quiet. Well, write it out in an email and start a chain. If you love Jesus, forward this to everybody. Get that thing around the world. Fourthly, relating our testimonies helps us encourage others and ourselves. Taking the promised land was not easy. There were giants in the land. Have you thought about if there wasn't giant? You know, you know they, they conquered the land. They conquered cities. And got houses that they didn't build. Now, if you were going to get a house that you didn't build, would you rather it was a house built by a giant? Or a little weak guy? I'd want my house built by somebody that was strong. So they had to face some giants. But maybe from time to time, in their discouragement, some of them maybe, to go back and look at those rocks and remember that day. And say, God, if you parted the Red Sea for our fathers, and the Jordan River for us, Jericho's a piece of cake. David, when he faced Goliath, remembered the lion... And the bear. He killed those two beasts with his hands. He used past victories to encourage him for future conquests. You know what he did with Goliath's head? He cut it off with Goliath's own sword. And he took that head for a walk. He carried that head to Jerusalem, which was not Jewish territory. But it would become Jewish territory under his reign. You know, just imagine. Look at this, Goliath. This is my next one. When he was discouraged with Saul hating his guts and wanting to destroy him, I am sure he remembered the Goliaths of his life, the lions and the bears, and saying, Saul's not too much for the Lord. He's going to work it out. I'm going to have to let him do it. I'm not going to get in his way. What giants are you facing that seem insurpassable, insurmountable? Obstacles seem immeasurable. Check back in your memory banks. What has God done in the past? 
what he's done in the past he'll do in the future. You're in the valley. You're in the hallway. You're in transition. You are still here. You've not been destroyed. All is not lost. So begin to remember the great things God has done. You know, it's been in the news of late. Some people suggest our country change our national anthem because it's not like national anthems of other countries. God save the Queen. No, it's, it's a tale of a battle when Britain tried to come and take us back and undo the progress we had made. The War of 1812. And on a British ship, an American penned this poem. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light. He's looking at the American coast and see our flag still waving. The fort is still holding fast. What is that anthem? It's remembering that in spite of all of our nation's challenges, the banner still waves high. It's like our stack of rocks. Slogans like, remember the Alamo. The Alamo is still there. You can go see it. Man, I heard so much about the Alamo. I went there thinking it was some huge thing. It wasn't. It's was a pretty simple place. It's a place to remember. I love that Texas flag with the cannon on it and the words, come and get it. <laughs> Remembering past battles that our state went through. I love to go to museums and look for stories of victory. In the Smithsonian, I've not seen this, but you can Google it. Just Google Smithsonian Lincoln's Pockets. And there is a display in the Smithsonian of the contents of Abraham Lincoln's pockets on the night he was killed. And in his pockets were clippings from newspapers of articles that said good things about him. Uh, don't you know he took a beating from the press? I mean, America's all about the freedom of the press, right? He was taking a beating, leading our country through a brutal civil war. How did he keep going? He kept things that encouraged him. Helped him remember. Helped him have hope. Whose report are you going to believe? They may say you're not going to make it. They may say all is lost. They may say... You're doomed. They may say you're a failure. It may just be thoughts in your head or the words of some professional. Or maybe an angry figure of authority. This report says you're going over. You're not going under. This report says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. This report says he's made you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. This report says you've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. I don't care what happens. If your whole world falls apart, you're on a path and the Father's not going to back off of it to make you and I like His Son. And the journey is much easier if we use our memories for good and encourage others as well as ourselves. Have you ever encouraged someone and wound up encouraging yourself? Just man. Encourage means to put courage in something. Relating our testimonies helps us defeat the accuser. Revelation 12, verse 10, John says that he heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, 
who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. The devil is what this is talking about. The enemy of the saints is no longer allowed access into heaven. So he's operating here and earth. He's still accusing us, as it were, through people like Job's comforters trying to tear us down, but he's no longer accusing us before God. There's no more meetings with God like he had in Job chapter 1. And we overcome him here on the earth by the blood of the Lamb. Meaning, anything he says that's true has been paid for. You've sinned bad, yeah? Well, he died for me. He paid my fine. Not to justify my sin and justify my error, but to justify me. Not because I'm worthy, but because he has deemed me to be his son. To forgive me. And so I overcome all accusations of the enemy. Because Jesus died for me. I'm Teflon, man. Accusations won't stick. Defending yourself doesn't work if you're guilty. And sometimes it doesn't work if you're innocent. But Jesus died for our sins and died even for the sins of those that falsely accuse us. So we don't have to get stuck with unforgiveness. And just let it go. They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. But notice it's by the word of their testimony. The word there for word is logos, which means something said. It means communication. It means saying. It means preaching. It means speaking, talking, tidings, utterance. It means this. We overcome the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the Lamb and the relating of our testimony. We must speak the good things God has done to us. We must. We must. The accuser wants to shut us up, but we overcome him by talking. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word or the saying of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. The saying of our testimony should be done without fear. Oh, if I share my testimony, I might die. Well, okay, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So we overcome by the blood and by the saying of our testimony. It's important to relate our testimonies. Can I get an amen? Relating our testimonies helps us defeat arguments. There's a lot of arguments in the world. I love apologetics, but if somebody wants to disagree, the best Apologist in the world can't win in persuading that person to change their mind. We're just too rebellious. Now, if we're hungry for truth, it works. So, how do we defeat arguments? We defeat arguments through the sharing of our testimony in two ways. One, it doesn't suck us into thinking we have to win. This is my experience. This is what happened. And number two, it's hard to argue with someone's experience. This is what he's done for me. 
They may say you're being subjective and come off with some psychobabble, but the truth is they're not in your shoes. Your testimony is powerful. Peter wrote in his first letter, chapter 3, verse 15, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready. We say always be ready. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, meaning your life backs up your testimony, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. So testifying is not just saying, but it's also living. It's powerful. Number seven, relating our testimonies helps us continue our mission. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were threatened to stop relating their testimony. Stop preaching Jesus. And they said in verse 19, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In relating his testimony in Acts chapter 22, Paul tells us about his meeting with Ananias when God healed him with blindness and he was baptized. And Ananias told him these words, he prophesied to him, that you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. So Paul's ministry was to relate his testimony. Your ministry. Oh, I don't have a ministry. You do have a ministry. Is to relate your testimony. Why do you believe what you believe? People need to hear it. And finally, relating our testimony helps us harness important power. Can we say important? It encourages us. It inspires us. It encourages others. It gives us the strength we need to face what we're facing. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul wrote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. This is an assignment that we are to comfort others with the comfort with which we are comforted. That's relating our testimony. In your testimony, your witness is comfort, encouragement. Let me just say, in relating our testimonies, we do not need to help God out by embellishing things. We need to be accurate. Tell the truth. And it works. It's powerful. There's people in this room that need to write a book. Who thinks writing a book is, would be a good idea? You do not realize how easy it is now. Related with Amazon is a website called createspace.com. You write your book as a Word document, save it as a PDF, and upload it to createspace.com, and you only pay for the books that you write. 
And if you want that book to be available on Kindle, I think it's an extra 10 bucks to register it, and it becomes a Kindle thing too. A friend of mine has written a 160-page book. He's buying his books $3 a piece, all right, to give to his friends or to sell or whatever he's going to do with it. But these books are available to order then, once he does this, they're available to order on Amazon. He has a link that he can put, actually like a, like a web page that relates to his book. You can type, you can do this. Get your testimony down. Your stories are too important. They need to be told. The world needs to hear. You need to remember. Your children need to remember. It's important to relate our testimony, and I pounded the daylights out of this story. All right, just in case you think you're not qualified to speak to anyone because you're not a professional. Pastor Allen, I'm not a preacher. Well, take speech class. Pastor Allen, I'm a pipsqueak. I'm not professional. Well, this video's for you. Oh, help. Can you help me, please? I'm stuck. I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. I have zero experience in lumberjacking. Thank God you're here. Can you make some food? I've been stuck here for six days, and all I've had to eat are two pine cones. Well, I'm not a nutritionist. So, I wouldn't know what someone in your condition would do. Do something! Uh, do what? I'm, I'm not a zoologist. There's a gun in the tent. Get the gun. I don't have a license. I've never operated... Uh, Look, just throw a rock or something. I'm not a geologist. I don't know which one would be most effective. Oh, I, I don't want to die. I don't even know if I'll get into heaven. Do you at least know how to get to heaven? Well, actually, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a theologian, so I wouldn't really know what to say to you. But, you know, if you ever get out of here, you really should look into it. Oh, he's coming! Run! But I have no formal training in long-distance running. I want to leave you here today encouraged. So to do so, I want Bill Breedlove to come up and share one of his many testimonies. Just this past week, I remembered quite well as I sat in my study time, my reading and my prayer time, which I'm quite selfish over. And apparently this fly didn't know the rules as he was irritating me. And on one of his passes, I grabbed him. And I went into uncontrollable weeping. Because this is a hand that two years ago didn't work. Um, a lot has happened. Um, I was ready to give it up. And... Um, I had to call my daughter and say, Honey, I know you don't want to hear this, but you're going to have to start taking care of me because it's just too dangerous for me to live alone anymore. The amount of times I fall, the 
my depth perception was gone. I was losing sight. This arm didn't work. This leg didn't work. Things were shutting off and turning on. And then I got diagnosed after five years of a spiral down from a bad heart operation. And the MRI showed that my brain was Swiss cheese. And the neurosurgeon said, I'll tell you exactly what you got. I don't think you want to hear it. And he said, I got dementia. Ah. At least I was satisfied to know when I left that office what I was going to die of. I was going to die of stupidity. <laughs> but God had a different idea. And a couple months after that, yeah, he touched me. And it made me really look into this Lord that I only visited on Sundays. And I started to give him all my time. And a couple of months passed when I made that call to my daughter to say, Honey, you know, you're going to have to do something with your dad. I know you weren't, you know, ready quite yet for me. So I actually began to pack my things and prepare. And I packed all the grandkids' toys, took them to my grandkids' house. And I gave my three-year-old grandson a great big bucket of balls. And he was already a pretty good pitcher. My son's doing a good job with him. And he's got a rocket, but he pulls to the right. And I handed him that bucket of balls, and he goes, Grandpa, let's play catch. <laughs> catch? <laughs> I thought he was better than I was at that point. You know, that's where my level was. But it was like, hey, he's only three. Sure, let's go out. I'll tell you what, God is good. We stepped out onto the front lawn, and that kid threw me a rocket. And with that bad hand, I reached out and I caught it. I did a double take. So I can't do that. I looked at my daughter-in-law and went, wow, luck, I guess. Throw me another one. Wow. Ricochets it right into my hand. Two in a row. Okay, one more. Again, he pulls to the right. A rocket. I reached out. I grabbed three in a row. I was stunned. I'm holding three balls. And I went, well, I used to know how to juggle. And I tossed him in the air and I began to juggle. Instantly, right then and there, God restored me. <laughs> my feelings came back. My, my head cleared up. No more problems. No more problems. Yeah, I remember. I remember quite well. <laughs> and I was so excited. I think you were the first person that I came to after this. And my excitement and to share the happiness. And I came in and, you know, was, hey, look at this. I jumped, clicked my heels in the air. I think he's told the story more than I've told this story. And he asked me to share that testimony with you. Well, that was the best day of my life. And to remember every day since then 
has been the best day of my life. Hallelujah. Now that long season of inactivity, Bill lost muscle tone, right? No coordination, not going to work your muscles. And so it wasn't long after his healing till he ripped a hernia and had to have surgery. <laughs> and so now he's still developing muscle tone and pulling muscles here and there, things that weren't used. And so you know, he's being healed naturally and through surgery, but it took a miracle to get him on the road for that. And so I hope that encourages you to keep praying, believing God for His hand in your life to overcome those things that you're facing. Can we stand? I'm going to pronounce a blessing over you and send you out to relate your testimonies. Alright, is there anybody here that has a testimony relating to saying goodbye to somebody that was close to you? Somebody went on to heaven. Okay. So if you've lost someone close to you, look at these hands that are raised. Just keep them up. And talk to two or three of these people after service and they will encourage you with their testimony. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And may you with boldness by the blood of the Lamb, not fearing death itself, be prepared to relate your testimony everywhere you go. And may He give you creative ways to put it down on paper, in social media, in video form, pictures or whatever, to spread the word of the good things God has done for you. May He show you creative ways to build stacks of rocks in your life that can be pointed to. This reminds me of this. This reminds me of that. And may He use you today before the sun goes down to relate your testimony to others. In Jesus' name, Amen. Go get them, tigers!